1: Good morning Rutherford County. It's the Greg Tucker show and um, he's he, here but just barely I know, I'm not too sure either one of us we look like we're about half asleep this morning. You stayed up and, and watched the Olympics until after midnight last night with Madridette and uh, which is- what, what, what was exciting to keep you up that uh, long? Well,
3: uh, I guess we enjoy the, the Olympics, but, uh, we don't watch TV. Uh, we rarely even turn TV on once a week, maybe. Uh, but we, I guess you'd call it binge watching it. We turned it on yesterday morning and kept it on all day and, uh, watched all the way through the swimming and gymnastic mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah i'm a little little slow this morning uh staying up that late but uh very much enjoy of course i used to be my wife still is very much a swimmer yeah and so we enjoy those events immensely and then you'll have to admit that the uh, gymnastics is is amazing Uh, how someone can jump off a mat and do six flips and land on their feet Yeah. It's amazing so those events were both on last night so we stayed up and watched it and uh, the, the little girls the gymnastics a little disappointing I think they still are very much competitive but uh, the the leader of the group was not perfect as people expect her to be uh, so be interesting to see how all that works out
1: you're affected by all of the pressure. Everybody's watching you. You're supposed to be the one that's gonna take the gold medal. And I can't even imagine everybody just glued in on everything that you do and then all of a sudden you make a small mistake. Yeah.
3: Well that I think everything
1: that, that you've worked for all that time.
3: I think you've described Simone's situation almost exactly. Uh, Everybody's expecting her to be perfect. Yeah. And uh, just about every routine she did, there was a glitch here or there. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes, well, twice she went off the mat, which you just never see uh, in the top end of the event. But uh, she recovered.
1: It becomes political. And and, and I can remember back when... uh, in my younger days, I was so glued to it because it was the USA against Russia and, uh, and East Germany. Right. And all the great athletes seemed to be coming from just three countries, you might say. I mean, every once in a while, someone from another country would win. But um, it, it was uh, almost like a war. I mean... You, well, it was a Cold War. Yeah. And, uh, of course... One thing we all
3: remember, if we were watching in those years, the uh, Russians, the East Germans, there was no amateur-professional uh, distinction, which the United States was trying very hard to adhere to. Yeah, and uh, you know, so when the United States did prevail, it was over the best professional that, you know, the communist countries could put up Mm -hmm. against our best amateur.
1: And many of them were on steroids, that we found out later.
3: Yeah, yeah. uh, But we all remember when that changed, at least the amateur distinction and the disqualification of professionals. The dream team, Mm -hmm. uh, the basketball team, that uh, Bird and Magic and... uh, the most exceptional ten or twelve players yeah. in the professional league uh, taught the rest of the world how to play basketball. Uh,
1: and they were so proud to win for their country.
3: Well, the uh, I can't think of his name. The played for the Phoenix team, very outspoken. Uh, he was candid about it. He said, I know what's going on. We're promoting NBA basketball uh, all over the world. And in fact, uh, thereafter, uh, it became very popular. Mm-hmm. And I know the NVA team started playing exhibitions around the world.
1: And now it's losing its popularity. Maybe. And in fact, it's lost a lot of its popularity during that time. And it's. Um, I was um, watching the 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 ladies uh, swim, and I didn't get to, to watch Ledecky. Uh, lose, which I was very unhappy. I wish you hadn't have told me that, <laughs> but 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 she, she uh, they were doing the uh, relays, and uh, no, it wasn't relays. She lost the sprint, she, the But but years. but but she was the top uh, um, lady in the qualifying. Yeah. Her her time was better than anyone else, and then she loses in the what the two hundred. Meters, right?
3: Yeah, the sprint. Yeah. uh, very, very, it was an exciting race. I mean, it looked like she had it. And in the last second, uh, the other girl from Australia, I believe, uh, just touched touched her by a fingernail difference, I guess.
1: That's hard to live through, isn't it? Just that one, you're thinking, what... What did I just kind of just let her catch up at the end or whatever?
3: That's exactly what happened. She caught up right at the end yeah. after Ledecky had led the entire race up to that. Yeah, interesting. Well, let's see. I spent much of the weekend when we weren't watching TV outdoors. And uh, uh, Saturday afternoon, we we played in the creek. Uh, had some visitors and. Enjoyed down at the creek, and then yesterday I got out and did some mowing, and I noticed something missing that we had been told to expect. Uh Uh-oh. sound. If you remember about a month ago, all the commotion about the emergence of the periodic cicada, and uh, Mm -hmm. we were being warned that uh, outdoors may be so noisy that such things as outdoor weddings and such would be difficult, and it didn't happen. And it hasn't happened yet. Uh, there's always a few cicada, but nothing like what was being predicted. That I
1: saw one dead uh, last week. Yeah. yeah. Well,
3: have you and I have been doing this long enough to remember that back in 2011, uh, the cicadas did emerge, mm-hmm. and it was a racket, and they were everywhere, and they're not in any way harmful except that uh, when they start Cutting into uh, the stem of a small plant, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, tree seedlings, they can literally cut the plant down. Uh, and we saw that this year, despite all the uh, promises, uh, they did not emerge. And uh, doing a little research, you can't actually give an exact. They'll be here in 13 years. The mm-hmm. get the the. the Period of, I guess you'd call it gestation, is about 12 years. But then the temperature, the humidity, and everything has got to be just right for them to emerge. And apparently, it didn't happen here. It may have happened uh, in the northeast, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But it certainly hasn't happened here. And uh, if you just count from 2011, 12 years, we're not quite there yet. Could well be 2023. 24 before they emerge again, and that's the 13 year uh, Some people say there's well there's a 13 year and a 17 year uh, maybe But uh, this turned out not to be the year that they they emerge uh, In fact, they even tricked us back in 2011. We were expecting them in 2013 and they came a couple of years earlier than predicted, but uh, uh see a few, hear a few, but nothing like what was forecast.
1: What, what is the difference in the timing on each one? Are there different type of cicadas, or uh, what is it? it? It doesn't make any sense to me. It never has, well, because it, it it's not an exact science no matter how you look at it.
3: If you get out your Rutherford ramblings, we did a little research and wrote in uh, No, it's not exact. I think the headline on the story was, those bugs can't count. They weren't supposed to be out in the year that they showed. Uh, They
1: needed to have Ms. Clark, my uh, math teacher.
3: Yeah, we needed somebody to discipline them a little. Yeah. And uh, we seemed to get the 13-year, roughly 13-year cycle. Hmm. But then you read about it, and they talk a lot about the 17-year cycle, a periodic cycle. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a friend out there who's an entomologist. He could probably explain it. But uh, the temperature, the moisture, everything has to fall just right, or they're smart enough not to emerge when the conditions aren't just right.
1: I do want to mention uh, we lost uh, a real good friend, For me and uh, someone who meant a lot to Rutherford County, Larry Ralston, we lost him. And uh, bless his heart, uh, I don't know any details yet. And uh, I also want to mention James Harold has had a uh, medical problem. And I ask for your prayers to be with him and Miss Lisa as he goes through um, trying to Take care of his particular problem, and that's that seems to be happening more and more with me. Is it because, and some most of those are younger than me, believe it or not. There are, you know, certain people younger than me.
3: Yes, I know a few. <laughs> but uh, literally, the circle that we associate with, yeah, there have, we have been. Losing too many here in the last year.
1: You and I have been blessed to have such good friends, haven't we? And there's there's nothing like it. Uh, we 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 have uh, um, kin folks that are very special to us, but the the kinships that we have made along the way um, they just really can't be replaced.
3: Yes, and uh, I have an annual event that's coming up. I guess second weekend in August. Uh, And we're still counting. Everybody is still with us. Uh, Many years ago, we worked at a Boy Scout summer camp. And uh, I was there like seven summers, others even longer. And uh, about five years ago, we started uh, getting together annually. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a facility facility we use down near Fall Creek Falls. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's actually owned by the Boy Scouts local organization. And uh, there will be 11 of us who work together as kids. And uh, yeah, I look forward to it. And one thing we do is count noses and be sure everybody's still there. And uh, the other thing we do is eat. Uh we'll have a steak you, dinner.
1: You've gotten really good at that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And we'll have one Cajun boil and that one steak dinner, and uh, that's part of the fun. And then there's uh, hiking for those that can still hike, fishing for some of us, uh, and just spend the weekend together. And uh, uh, then go our separate ways again, and uh, some, of, some of them I don't even talk to, have occasion to see. Until that annual event. Hmm. Uh, but that's become more and more important to us as we speculate who's not going to be there if we meet again. And so far, we hadn't lost anybody.
1: Fall Creek Falls is one of the best places to go and enjoy uh, <coughs> nature and all the things that are available. And do they have? Do they still have the that little swinging bridge that goes all the way? You can take it and go down to where the falls is below it. Yeah,
3: I think it's still there. We haven't gone looking for it lately, but uh, uh, the area around the state park, uh, there was a I guess uh, a sportsman's club out of Atlanta owned mm-hmm. a large piece of property. And the Scouts, through philanthropy and such, uh, got title to it. So that's what we're using down there. It's not a Scout camp in the sense that it's used regularly by the kids. Uh, it's more of a adult retreat. Yeah. Uh, and people come from all over the country to use the facility now. But uh, we have specified this one weekend every year, and it's... A have always made available to us for that time period
1: is scouting still pretty much like it used to be oh, no. or all the things that uh the negative things that have been occurring ha- has it harmed the scouting um,
3: oh the program is very different from what we remember and as mm-hmm. part of what we always talk and lament uh and i really Right now, the, the scouting is making a bit of a organizational comeback, mm-hmm. but it'll be a very different, much smaller organization, and uh, the mission I hope will stay focused. Uh, but uh, part of what the old timers talk about is how different it became and how much it'll go back to what it was. Yeah, and hard to say. There's a lot of financial pressure. A lot of legal pressure, uh, and not uh, near as many kids available for the program as there was back in the 50s and 60s, which was the kind of the high-water mark. Yeah. And they a, the professional organization made a big mistake in the 70s. They came up with what they called boy power, and the emphasis was on numbers, numbers, numbers. Mm-hmm. And the program content was neglected. Mm-hmm. and uh the professionals were put under heavy pressure to raise money and raise numbers and uh with hindsight, we're not even sure that the numbers that we were getting were were fairly determined and
1: uh <clears throat> uh it took a while
3: to turn that around
1: it was there some type of concentrated effort? to destroy the Boy Scouts in the last 10 or 15 years. It seemed like there's always somebody looking to uh, take down something that really was a special, special place for all the young guys to go to and and uh, enjoy the outdoor life, get away from the city life, and and really see what nature was all about. And now it, it it seems to be in the in, in the gun sights of a number of people. Why in the world would anybody want to attack something like that?
3: I can't answer that, but it's true there was a period, and what I'm saying is I'm hoping we're coming to the end of that period when uh, some of the basic elements that uh, held scouting together were challenged. First one being the religious aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the. Boy Scouts operate with a 12-point law, we call it. And the 12th point was the Scout is reverent. Uh, And the uh, Scouts never dictated what you were supposed to believe, but it was expected that each child would have a spiritual aspect to his life. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And that went all the way to the Supreme Court, and it was kind of the first real... uh, pressure on the scouts to be different from what they were. And the Supreme Court uh, went uh, in favor of the scouts. So, but then, you know, all the other social issues that have been uh, shaking the country uh, focused in on the scouts. And uh, uh, some of the scouts quickly conceded, and I think properly so, such as the ban on women as scout leaders that was dropped uh, just as soon as it was challenged. And I think that was wise. it would have been a waste of time to try to fight that because there was no reason why women shouldn't be uh, among the leadership uh, and broaden the experience of the, of the scout. But uh, it was just one thing after another.
1: Yeah. Are you uh, looking to Find something, or you want me to go some other direction?
3: Yeah. Well, we we've, we've talked about the scouts frequently. Yeah. Uh, we missed a uh, an anniversary, which uh, most people would consider minor, not worth consider. But we have talked quite a bit about the history of emancipation mm-hmm. and uh, our social uh, aspects of the in this country over the last several years, two or three years, have really brought all that to the fore. And uh, August 17th in 1862 uh, ought to be noted because that's when Congress, uh, is of course during the early stages of the, of the war, the uh, U.S. Congress passed and President Lincoln signed the Confiscation Act. Mm-hmm. The Confiscation, uh, <laughs> to define uh, if you confiscate something, you seize or take private property by an act of some authority. All right, The Confiscation Act said that uh, the slaves in occupied territory where the Union was occupying were to be confiscated. And what's interesting about that is the Union Army considered the uh, slaves at that time as private property as evidenced by the passage of the Confiscation Act in 1862, uh, which meant in effect that the slaves in those occupied territories would be, quote, freed to the uh, control of the Union Army. And as we know, uh, in exchange for providing uh, housing, food, what have you, the uh, former slaves were put to work for the army. Uh, It's also interesting that the slaves themselves in the literature, uh, particularly uh, in West Tennessee, uh, were identified as contraband. Hmm. Uh, Again, a property term And uh, the uh, documentation from that period in the Army, back and forth with the leadership in Washington was, uh, what should we do with the contraband? The contraband that's been confiscated. So clearly, at least in the early stages of the war, and uh, the slaves were being treated as private property. And, We talked a couple of months ago about the uh, anniversary of the emancipation of slaves in the District of Columbia, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: which is something that uh, Lincoln initially opposed, eventually signed uh, the law. But again, it was recognized that the owners had private property rights, and that first emancipation in District of Columbia paid the slave owners uh, what was considered a fair price for uh, emancipating each of the slaves?
1: None of that makes a whole lot of sense to people in today's world. How all of that occurred and how it ended up, because it's it's completely opposite of what we have been taught pretty much over the years. In in uh, when when you look at it now i i'm sure that there would be protesters all over the united states right now because uh they completely don't understand all the things that happened i don't i'm not sure any of us understand in today's world the things that were going on back in the in the mid 1800s
3: well <clears throat> it is uh something that i doubt many people have have been aware of that the union army under the leadership of uh, grant originally Mm -hmm. uh, that very quickly occupied most of west tennessee Memphis and such was confiscating contraband and putting them to work
1: it's hard you're you're fighting to free all of those people but yet they're considered contraband where, where is the, the reality of all of that?
3: Take a whole lot more study, I think, to understand what was going on. But clearly, raises a question about what the, uh, uh, those, the leadership in the Western theater of the war early on, just what their motive was. And uh, it appears from the record that a lot of them were recent immigrants from Europe, Italians and Germans mm-hmm. and they were in it for the money uh, they expected to be paid and they were recruited and uh, uh, promised bonuses and such uh, and uh, they were recruited on the uh, preserve the Union save the Union mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't seem to be any concern about the plight of a particular class of people uh, certainly not in the conflict in Tennessee. Yeah,
1: things were changing so much in our country from the beginning in the late 1700s. Um, it was. It, it's hard for us today to understand. In fact, it's hard for me to understand what's going on in the, in the world today. To be perfectly honest with you, it, it seems like it changes day by day. And then you look at those times that we people try to put us in the same place that the people were back in the 1700s, 1800s, and even early 1900s, there's no way that we can even do that because we don't understand the entire, um, the, the changes that were going on during those particular times. In in the leaderships of of those particular times, and you know when we come over here and and um, we're uh, in battle with the Native Americans all across the United States, and you see how that how they turned out in today's world, um, their their uh, culture and life, they're pretty much gone. You look at how we affected them, and then all the others that are um, maybe um, looked at in a different viewpoint. How in the world do we expect us to look back during that time and, and be judgmental over what was happening during that time?
3: Well, for those who choose, out of interest or out of their personal circumstances or the professional circumstances, to comment and uh, use the history such as you're describing, mm-hmm. uh, my concern is first let's understand exactly what happened, or at least uh, when we can't be exact as let's gather as much accurate information as we can mm-hmm. uh, so often someone will seize upon something someone else has said or heard or repeated, and then all of their attitude about that part of our history is based on what they they heard. And uh, uh, we've had examples of that all the time. And uh, my point is, let's take the time to study and understand. For instance, how many people have even heard that there was a, actually there were two confiscation acts during the war uh, treating uh, the slave population as Personal property
4: mm-hmm.
3: by the union, uh, and with that knowledge, you know, as to that fact, play that into the uh, attitudes and such that that we have today. Uh, and I think when uh, we choose to ignore the facts that don't fit our uh, attitude or our motive today. That's, that's dishonest.
1: Let's take a break. Sounds good.
2: Where is the best barbecue in town? In 1920, East Main. The best barbecue for miles around is in 1920, East Main. You can buy it by the pound, sandwich, platter, or plate. No matter what you choose, it will taste great. You can come with a friend by yourself or with a date to Slick Pig Barbecue. Barbecue pork, beef or chicken, Brunswick stew, great sides, lunch specials, down home atmosphere, and they cater. Slick Slick Pig Pig Barbecue, Barbecue. it's the best. Are you looking for a different kind of bank? Open your eyes to a credit union. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help hardworking Americans achieve their financial goals faster and because we're owned by our members, you get a piece of the pie. Visit our website, HeritageSouth.org to open your first account and see how we help when others won't. Insured by NCUA.
0: How are you feeling today?
2: More than an empty question, it's a real reminder to reach out to coworkers, friends, family, and neighbors. Remind them to get the care they need Someone you know may be delaying important emergency care, chronic care, or emotional care. At Ascension St. Thomas, appointments are available now with strict precautions in place for your safety and our care. Ask about virtual visits. ERs at Ascension St. Thomas hospitals are open 24-7. Get the care you need at getsthealthcare.com. Hello, I am Frank Caperton. Most people know me as Frank the Computer Guy, but did you know that I also have a camera? I love to
1: shoot events such as weddings and birthday parties, corporate events, family gatherings, ribbon cuttings.
2: I call it event photography. Call or text me at 615-476-7823 or visit frankcaperton.com. I also preserve memories. I digitize and enhance your old family videos. 615-476-7823 or frankcaperton.com.
0: Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center.
2: I'm Ron Jordan. A man who fired at Riversboro Police is dead. Police were responding to a domestic disturbance call late Saturday night at a duplex on Old Las Casas Pike near Hazelwood Street when 49-year-old David Gaither fired at them multiple times before closing the door to the home. He was found dead inside the home early Sunday morning with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. 10th annual Wine Around the Square with St. Thomas Rutherford and the Power of Pink is set for Saturday, September 18th. The event's an annual fundraiser to help fight breast cancer in Rutherford County and to raise awareness of the prevalent disease. The Power of Pink is a Rutherford County fundraising program for breast cancer detection and treatment. New mothers who missed out on a baby shower due to COVID-19 are being celebrated after a community shower in Nashville Sunday. New mothers and current expected mothers gathered at Centennial Park, as over a dozen organizations gave away free baby supplies, including diapers, wipes, formulas, clothes, and other items. Event creator Lydia Shoemake said the shower was to help Music City moms whose showers were postponed by the pandemic and those who need assistance with their newborns. Jury selection is expected to start today in the trial of a man accused of killing a Middle Tennessee law enforcement officer. Stephen Wiggins is facing first-degree premeditated murder and first-degree felony murder charges, among others. He's accused of shooting Dixon County Sheriff's Office Sergeant Daniel Baker six times in May of 2018. If convicted, Wiggins could face the death penalty. Socialize with us on social media. Log on to Facebook.com slash WGNS Radio and click the Like button or follow us on Twitter at WGNS
0: Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS.
2: Hi, this is Lisa Halliburton at Bell Jewelers, and we invite you to stop by and see all our beautiful color gemstones. We just have a rainbow of colors.
0: There's nothing like the sparkle of a Bell Jewelers diamond.
2: Stop by soon, and we'd love to show you what we have in stock.
0: Come by and see us at Bell Jewelers at 821 Northwest Broad Street. We're across the street from Tooth. We're open 10 to 6 during the week, 10 to 5 on Saturday, and close most Sundays. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudstireProsTN.com.
2: Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms at times this afternoon. A cloudy sky conditions a high in the low 90s. Love winds out of the Northwest around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujchitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 76.
0: It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSradio.com.
1: And welcome back with Greg Tucker. And uh, he has advised me to keep my mouth shut. And he, he has a particular issue that he wants to be de- dealing with. And it's your show anyway. I, I mean, do you them? don't. You don't even have to even tell I'm me that. I'm Just
3: trying to help you fill the time. <laughs> 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 we talked about last week the uh, how popular uh, genealogical research is, and uh, we were talking about the plans to move the uh, un- the history section of the Lineball Library, which is mm-hmm. the part that uh, you sign in and the books don't circulate. Uh, but you can use them there on the premises. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a very strong collection uh, relating to genealogy research. In fact, I think there's a club that meets up there uh, periodically uh, and uses the collection. Uh, But recently I came across an interesting piece of genealogical research uh, by someone uh, who has done a lot of writing but I want to share some of it, but first want to emphasize, this is not my research, and I've not yet had time to try to uh, back it up uh, and check some of the sources that are used. Mm -hmm. But it is done by a fellow named Howard Ray White. He is a, I'd call him a professional writer, uh, historian. He's been at it a long time. I think he's even older than Truman. Uh, Oh, bless his heart. Yeah, has put out a dozen books, uh, primarily uh, focusing on Southern southern history Mm -hmm. uh, and relating uh, the, uh, what would you say, the social circumstances of that period Mm -hmm. and the time that he's writing about. Uh, But he has recently uh, shared uh, his research on the genealogy of Abraham Lincoln, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because, again, that's in my education most of us in in uh, the baby boomer population we weren't taught anything about genealogy uh you know there were high points in uh Lincoln's life that uh, were shared and uh but never in any detail as to where he came from and and such uh in fact we were there's a place in Kentucky that's called the birthplace apparently yeah. Uh, not the case, if uh, the research by several, including Mr. White, uh, bears out. But historians generally agree that uh, his mother uh, was Nancy Hanks, H-A-N-K-S. She was born in Virginia, uh, and her mother was unmarried at the time, and uh, Nancy, the mother of Abraham Lincoln, excuse me, yeah, Nancy, Um, her mother uh, essentially turned the child over to family in North Carolina, so that already she's born in Virginia, she's put with family Mm -hmm. in North Carolina, and her mother uh, headed off to Kentucky, leaving uh, her child uh, with, I think it was an uncle, in north carolina that family raised uh nancy uh until she was 13 or about 13. at which time nancy was essentially placed with the family the last name was enloe e-n-l-o-e sarah and abraham Mm enloe and at 13 uh i struggle for what the word would be she was uh, Placed with that family to help with the child rearing and the household chores and such Mm -hmm. Uh, indentured apprenticed uh, Treated as a foster child Uh, You know i'm not sure exactly how you would describe the relationship, but the family took her in Mm -hmm. Provided support housing she lived with the family And uh, I think the mother of that family sarah Inlow eventually had like nine children. So she, I'm sure, welcomed and used used this help. Yeah. And uh, Nancy stayed with that family uh, from 13 until she was 19, 20. And, uh, and then there was a problem. Uh, she became pregnant. And the uh, uh, man of the house, uh, when confronted with, uh, her circumstances by his wife, uh, acknowledged that the child was his, uh, Sarah was of course distressed by it, Sarah in low, but agreed to keep Nancy in the family circumstances, uh, until the child was born mm-hmm. and then made, uh, it absolutely clear that they would need to move on. Uh, which means Nancy was about 20 and she would be uh, with a newborn. She named the child after the acknowledged parent, Abraham Inlo. Mm-hmm. So that's Abraham uh, who we know as president many, many years later. Uh, Abraham inlow, acknowledging uh, his wife's concern that, uh, Nancy and her child needed to move on, uh, made the trek to Kentucky, and essentially put uh, Nancy and her son in the care of some of her mother's relatives in Kentucky. Uh, uh, After a couple of years, I think uh, Mr. White gives us a date, I forget exactly what it was, but uh, she married, a fellow named Thomas Lincoln, a- 1806. She married Thomas Lincoln. Uh, he took her, took her in with her child, uh, Abe, and uh, they had two children during the period of their marriage. Uh, in 1807, uh, Nancy gave birth to a, a female child that they named Sarah, and in 1809, she gave birth to a male who was named for the uh, father at the time, Thomas, became Thomas Jr. Thomas Jr. though did not survive. It was, was common in those days, uh, beyond infancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Abe had a half sister, Sarah, who lived for a number of years. And he had uh, a half-brother, Thomas Jr., named for the father, who did not survive. Uh, I think it was uh, maybe two years that Thomas Jr. survived. Uh, so we have Abraham, born in North Carolina, uh, taken in as a uh, became the son by marriage of Thomas Lincoln and took the name Lincoln Mm -hmm. uh, from his mother's marriage. Uh, Interesting that uh, those circumstances uh, were either unknown or unacknowledged through the early political career. But uh, when Thomas Senior died, And about 1851, uh, during the period of mourning, according again to Mr. White, uh, Abraham Lincoln brought, acquired a family Bible. Apparently there had been none up until that point. Mm -hmm. And sat down and in his own handwriting, and apparently uh, this still has been preserved, filled in the family history. Uh, But when he did, he omitted Thomas, Jr. Mm -hmm. and took the birth date of Thomas, Jr. as his own.
1: Oh, wow. So
3: thereafter, in his political career, he was born in uh, 1809 and dated from that date as to his age. Uh, Mr. White, in his research, relied upon census records and uh, official documents which were kept by the states, Mm -hmm. not as thoroughly I'm sure as today, but uh, birth records, death records uh, were available. And uh, Mr. White raises the question about uh, Honest Abe. Uh, Honest Abe was perhaps like any others at that time uh, advancing his own career and apparently felt that uh, his, and this is uh, our conjecture, he apparently felt that the illegitimate birth and uh, the source of his name was not, uh, uh, did not advance his political career. So when he had the opportunity after the death of his stepfather, Mm -hmm. he uh, created a family history using the family Bible and uh, settled that uh, his birth was in kentucky uh... his father was thomas lincoln mm-hmm. his mother was nancy hanks lincoln and uh... Mm-hmm. that's what uh... most history and up until this recent research uh... has relied on
1: and do you think in today's world they would uh... uh honor that particular piece of history that was Written by Mr. White or would it be uh, whatever they want it to be, the history?
3: Well, I'm illustrating what we were talking about earlier is uh, if you're using history to advance some current interest or to uh, preserve what you've always heard regardless, then uh, the facts, the documentation is generally ignored. Uh, But I hope that uh, someone will follow uh, the work of Mr. White and back check and, uh, you know, so we can know with some certainty uh, just what is the genealogy of what is frequently referred to as the greatest president, the president who preserved the union. I don't think that would change that at all, uh, but might help us better understand the, the, the uh, attitudes of that time I mean today a birth outside marriage is not uh, considered any kind of uh, uh, real issue yeah and it's very common uh, particularly among our uh, celebrities where we frequently have uh, so-and-so planning to marry and uh, you know they've already got three kids yeah uh, but uh, uh, and I don't think it has ever been fair to visit upon the child itself some kind of stigma relating from conduct that obviously he was not responsible for. Yeah, Uh, Maybe at the product of, but not responsible. Which reminds me of the writing I'm doing here lately about my father's military career Mm -hmm. and uh, the initial name given to uh, who later became known as the Black Sheep yeah, In my father's uh, memoirs, recollections, the stories told, he said when someone suggested that the, uh, what would you call it, the public name of the squadron, the call name, should be Boyington's Bastards, <laughs> it was immediately agreed among the squadron by a majority of the squadron that that would be their name. And my father uh Remembers thinking, I don't want to be known as a bastard pilot, uh, and I know that that's not going to do well back that home. That was
1: pretty common back then, though. I mean, yeah, the guys made things up to kind of <laughs> um, make it. Um, I, 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 I don't. You. you you, all these little nicknames that they gave each other back in those days. They gave each other
3: the, nicknames, but they, I guess you'd call it a nickname. I mean, we talk about the Commodores, yeah. the Vols, uh, the Titans. You know, everybody has their their fighting name or their, mm-hmm. whatever you would call it. Well, these guys knew that their squadron mm-hmm. had been formed in an unusual way.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: they were not brought together in the States, trained as a unit, and so on and so on. Uh, Boyington went around and said, I want you, you, and you, and put together a, what was initially a temporary squadron uh, from their first combat, though it was clear that, you know, this was an exceptional group. But they wanted to call themselves the Boyington Bastards, with the exception of a few. And I do know my father said, uh, that he'd never be able to write home and tell his mother and father that he was one of the bastards. and it was actually... Didn't a, that
1: kind of make you smile, though? Of course.
3: Uh, it was the media in the 19 early 1940s. One of the media representatives, correspondents in the war zone said, hey, guys, they'll never put that in the newspaper. You've got to come up with something else. And he helped them come up with the idea of the black sheep mm-hmm. connotation. Yeah. And then when they made their emblem which one of them sketched out roughly and they gave to a marine uh, correspondent, artist, illustrator, and drew it. They included a swayback, sad-looking, forlorn-looking black sheep in part of it, but they put a bar across it from the upper right down to the lower left, a Mm -hmm. black bar. Well, the black bar and the coats of arms, the shields, the uh, representations of the royal families, meant exactly that. It mm-hmm. meant illegitimate birth. So they managed to incorporate it into their emblem, even though they, uh, it was never used during the war period. You see it quite frequently now in books about, about the group. Uh, but my father says, you know, most of the guys continued to call themselves the bastards, uh, even though the media it was always the black sheep.
1: But they were so special. And 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 to give them a name like that that stands out, I mean, I, I think it's fitting. It, it really is. The black sheep, or the, 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 the uh, uh, both of them actually. When you think about it, and you, and you think about what they accomplished during that time, uh, they were a very unusual bunch.
2: Hey, Truman, uh, uh, pardon the uh, interruption here. Just wanted to uh, break in to let folks know a small plane has crashed at the Murfreesboro Airport on uh, DeJarnet Lane. And uh, Murfreesboro police are on the scene. DeJarnet is closed. Uh, the plane went down right in front of Providence Christian Academy on DeJarnet. So uh, DeJarnet is closed. Emergency personnel again uh, on the scene there. Medics transported the pilot to the hospital. And that's about all we know at this point. But uh, there's a lot of police activity in that area. And Jarnet is closed right in front of Providence Christian. Just wanted to uh, let folks know that real quick.
1: Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate that a prayer, um,
2: a prayer for the pilot, yeah,
1: and uh, that's not far from here at all
2: no,
3: and uh landing on the the uh, road there, you wonder if he was trying to make an emergency landing, yeah, uh, on the open highway open road,
1: yeah, it's a lot of activity right across the street here uh through the air,
3: well yeah, we're just right across from the uh Let's see. That would be a little north of the airport itself. So maybe he was taking off, going. Yeah. Down. So many of the small plane accidents happen within the first few miles after they lift off the ground. That uh, seems to be a critical time for. Yeah. The, for the plane problems.
1: And there's a there's a lot of experts, uh, usually about this time in the morning. Over at the Murfreesboro Airport right now, I know a number of my friends will go over there and have coffee and yeah, and some uh, of them are FAA and the others that are uh, associated with those groups.
3: Yeah, there's the social club. Yeah, get together about ten o'clock over there for coffee and donuts.
1: Yeah, that 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 worries me because I have a lot of friends that take off from that airport. Well,
3: uh, I hope they are. No passengers. Uh, the report that we just got just referenced the pilot. Yeah. And uh, I hope there were no passengers. But,
1: and it's strange, we are just talking about your dad and the Black Sheep Squadron, and that call comes in. And I appreciate Brian taking care of all of those things that are going on. Um, I wish I'd have gotten to know your dad more. He, he was a... Uh, Very special man, not only for our country, but also for our uh, county and city here. And did so many great things here.
3: Yeah, during the 60s and 70s, he was designing much of our public buildings. Yeah. And uh, several of which are still around. I still pass the uh, police department down there Mm -hmm. on uh, uh, Church Street. Yeah, on Church Street. That's empty. Behind oh, the yeah, opera. the empty one, okay, yeah, I got you and uh'm uh, curious as to what will become of the building it's a you know mm-hmm. it's a big piece of property uh right now, city property unused, yeah, uh but that's one of the buildings that he was particularly proud of in that time period.
1: That was an amazing building i- I, I kind of wish he had had a hold of this one on Highland Street, the one that they built over there. that's a pretty special place too.
3: Well, I guess it says something about inflation, but when I look at the numbers, mm-hmm. the dollars that are spent on, for yeah. instance, a new school, and remember the numbers that uh, I was hearing around the dinner table back in the 60s, yeah, and it's just staggering. I mean, we're talking about 15 to 20 times in some cases yeah. uh, to build a, a facility.
1: You, you had some interesting things about... Uh, General Nathan Bedford-Farth that you have written over the years and and, uh, some of the correspondence that that went on uh, long after he was no longer in the service and he was a businessman and and, uh, was down in uh, Shelby County and uh, was a very respected businessman. And uh, he... he, um, um, one of the speeches that he made uh, that you've got in was it Rutherford Ramblings I believe it is is that correct yeah and and uh it's amazing when people can take some of your books that you have written about the history of this is this, this area and in and, and in our country and and you, you do so much research on it and A lot of times the things that are going on now are totally foreign to uh, the real history that went on during that particular time. And uh, I read one of them the other day, and uh, the way that he reached out to so many other people uh, of all ethnic groups... It was uh, totally amazing as you try to to um, place it in the way that he's looked right now. And of course, he has has he been moved to Columbia yet with his wife and uh, all the other uh, things that uh, uh, they have asked to happen.
3: I don't have any firsthand knowledge. I understand from others that the remains of Forrest and his wife are now uh, in the possession of the Sons of the Confederate Veterans. Uh, they're being close about where they are right now, but they will be reburied over at the, uh, uh, I guess it's the birthplace, it's mm-hmm. going to be a museum uh, in Murray mm-hmm. County. Yeah. Uh, but um, that's a good, our recent discussions of Forrest Uh, is a good example of how the history is used so selectively to support a particular view. Uh, and very modest success in trying to counter some of that. I remember, oh, a year or so ago, every article identified Forrest as the founder of the KKK, Mm -hmm. which has been repeatedly demonstrated as not the case. We know who the founders were, we know where they were, we know where he was at the time. Uh, accurately, you can say that he was at one time a leader of the Klan. Uh, and, uh, the local newspapers used to, anytime they had reference for us, they would say founder of the KKK Mm -hmm. and, uh, I made a modest effort, I'm sure, but others were helping and of late, they say an early leader of the KKK. Mm-hmm. Which is technically correct, yeah, but they don't do the next thing. What did he do as the as an early leader? he did become uh, the uh, leader of the clan in eighteen sixty nine uh four years after it was formed. What did he do? He issued one order. he said the clan is now disbanded. Mm-hmm. went on to say uh, all the costumes should be burned. Uh, there should be no more parades, be no more uh, uh events, including and I think he even specified no cross burning that mm-hmm. kind of thing, and he was reacting to his discovery and when he took the leadership that uh things were being done uh, uh anonymously, yeah, that was the masks and such, which really offended him. Uh, I tend to agree there if you're not willing to be known for what you stand for, what you do, what you say, then you ought not be doing or saying. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was very strong in that position. And uh, he succeeded in ending a lot of it, but it took about 10 years before it completely disappeared. And he lived about another 10 years. I think he died in 1879, died of diabetes. Yeah. Uh, but over those last that last decade of his life, Whenever he came across evidence that uh, there was still Klan activity in some part of the Old South, uh, he made a personal effort to get compliance with that order. Uh, anyone interested in reading that order, it's online. Uh, and parts of it are quoted, I think, in in my book, Ramblings. Yeah. Uh, so if you're trying to accomplish a negative, you quit with, well, he was at one time a leader, but if you want to understand the history, you need to take the next step. And what did he do in the period of leadership? Yeah. Uh, And by 1879, the Klan had completely disappeared in the South. We know that uh, in 1912, uh, down in Georgia, a new, uh, uh, I call it an organization, a movement or whatever, was instigated and it took the Klan name and took the uh, some of the images of the old Klan and uh, turned it into a very negative uh, public activity. Yeah, but uh, uh, Forrest was long gone at that time.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing to me that the the war in the 1860s um, nobody mentions. Um, that there were so many people on both sides of the war, and, and nobody knows exactly what their reasons were for being in that war, whether it was on the south or on the north, but look how many people died to give that freedom to so many. I mean that that was uh, that war took more lives, and we're talking about brothers, f- fathers, sons. All of those things uh, separated our country because of all the the different beliefs. Uh, many of them were fighting for the our country to stay together. Some were uh, fighting for the states' rights to have in their particular. And, and of course, we all know that a lot of it was um, built on on, uh, economics of the South or the North. But when you think about all of those people who lost their lives and people who lost uh, uh, much of their land and all those type things, you 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 think back, none of that is mentioned in, in, in today's world. It, it, it's just either a certain ethnic group is bad or whatever, but you think back of all those individuals and the families who suffered so much during all that period. Well, um, to, it, 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 it's, it's, it's never mentioned.
3: To put it in perspective, our generation lost tragically about 55,000 in Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, and one battle during the Civil War, lost over 50,000 yeah I know uh, it may be true of several of them but Antietam uh, was the two sides together remember both were Americans Mm -hmm. and the loss together was as much as lost in the entire Vietnam War yeah uh, in one battle so yeah it was an incredible loss that we've lost perspective of uh, how much damage it actually did. Yeah, I mean, the South took 20 years to just physically recover and begin industrialization in the uh, mid-1880s. Uh, yeah. But, oh, my goodness, we've run out of time.
1: Yeah. In fact, I've had the little sunsets wrap up the show probably on for about five minutes. Oh, my. Yeah. But, Greg, I always enjoy you, big boy. You're a great friend, and... You do so much for our community, and I appreciate it. And try to bring us all together, and uh, we're Americans. Uh, We're just not one group or this group or that group. Uh, We we love our country, and we will always support our country.
3: Thank you, Truman.
1: All right, guys. We will see you in the morning at 9.